Man, that's a good day. It's a good day. My name is Micah. I'm one of the staff pastors here at Northwood. I do serve at our Long Beach campus, which is almost two years old. She's starting to walk, so it's a good thing. It's good, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, one of the cool things about the Unknowns Message series is that uh, we've got all six of our communicators ro rotating campuses, sharing something that's deep inside their hearts. So you're kind of getting something that's precious to each one of us. And I, I believe this, that our church is better together than we are separate. I think three locations are better than one, and I think six locations are better than one as well. So who knows what happens in the future? But I know this, that good things are in store for Northwood Church. How many of you guys know that God loves you? Good, good. That would have been awkward if you said, not me. You know, the Bible talks about this extravagant love that, that God has for us, that he's had for us for a really long time. And it, it goes as far as saying that he doesn't just love us, but it goes to say that he, he so loves us. John 3, 6, it says he so loves us. Have you ever had a case of the so loves? The so loves? I grew up in a home that, uh, that frequently visited the so loves. We were, we were a very uh, loving family. Uh, everything, we, we did everything together. Uh, and the so loves were oftentimes on full display at sporting events. Now, I was the athlete in the family. And how we traveled was all of us would come together and we would cheer on the family. Well, me being the, the athlete, my family was the family that would get the embroidered hats. They'd have the buttons on the shirt that had your picture on them. The back of their shirt would say Butterfield. It would have their name on it. And uh, my mom loved to vocalize her so loves, usually towards the referee as they were calling things against me. It didn't matter if they went to the church that we went to. She would let them know that... That's my boy, stop it! <laughs> Oftentimes embarrassing, but nonetheless, it was so love. And I swore to myself that I would never <laughs> be that guy. Then I had three kids. My son started playing t-ball <laughs> this year, and I couldn't help myself. I had the honor or the privilege of, of coaching his team or coaching, assistant coaching with him. So that got me even closer to the field. It put me in the dugout and it gave me an excuse to be on the field. And every time Sam would come up before the games, now, granted he's five years old, but I would have a conversation with him. <laughs> Sam, you understand this is the biggest game of your life. This is the real deal. The name on your back, although it's not really on there, I need to let you know what your name represents and what you represent. This is what it's all about, son. So when you go out there and play, you go for it. And the first time he stepped up to bat, I'll never forget, he took a swing and he swung as hard as he can because secretly I was telling him, don't listen to what the coach says. Swing as hard as you can. See, just see what happens. And he missed. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And the next time he got up there and, whoa, and he just, he rocked it. And I couldn't help. I couldn't help myself. I got my phone out, and I was running beside him on the first place line going, go, son, go, son, you're going to make it. Slide, just for, just for show. Do it. Why? Because I so love him. Some of us have a hard time understanding or, or grasping the thoughts that God so 
loves us and sometimes we try to push it away and say that he doesn't really love me that much. But you need to know this, that he is the kind of parent that will never stop watching you sleep. (laughs) You know, like the creepy parents that, that, (laughs) I still do it. Nine-year-old, eight-year-old, and a five-year-old, I still go in there, I say, look at the way they breathe. (laughs) That's my kid. God's love was on full display 750 years before Jesus came onto the scene through a young man named Hosea. He's the topic of our unknown message series today. Hosea was a prophet. He was actually the only prophet in the northern province or a part of Israel and prophets in those days were, were handpicked by God. They were, they were selected by him. And it wasn't necessarily like a, a pastor today where they were over a congregation. There was one prophet in a region, in a nation, in, a, in Israel, in this northern part. And Hosea was the man hand-selected by God. And oftentimes prophets had unique or peculiar assignments from God. And what's really cool when you study the prophets in the Old Testament is oftentimes they didn't just prophesy of things to come. Oftentimes their life would be the opportunity to live out the very prophecy that God wanted to deliver through that man. So God says to Hosea, Hosea, I've got a mission for you if you choose to accept it. He says, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Come again, God? Huh? He says, yeah. He says, I want you to marry a prostitute. And her name's Gomer. A bummer of a name, huh? He says, yes, Lord. So he marries her. And he lives a life that's okay for a little while. The scripture says that they have three kids. Things are okay. Everything's just as needed to be. And one day, Hosea wakes up and Gomer's nowhere to be found. He can't find her. And he says, hmm. He says, Hosea. Or Hosea calls out, Gomer, where you at? Where is she? Can't find her. Ask the kids. You know where mama is? No. Maybe she ran to Starbucks to get some coffee. No. Hosea searches all over and realizes that his wife is gone. What a humbling moment for Hosea. This is a man of God. This is a chosen one of God. And she's gone. He's a single dad. He's got three kids. He's one of the most famous people in Israel, but he can't even keep his own home together. Embarrassment is going to be apparent. I'm sure there are many dark nights. They go ahead. But God speaks to Hosea. And he says, Hosea, I want you to go find her. Wow. Hosea deserves a lot of credit, huh? And this is where we're going to pick up the story in verse 1, Hosea 3, 
chapter 1, it says this, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. It says, Though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisin. Love is a major theme in Israel at this time. Love is a big deal. It's, it's, it's apparent that Israel has bought into three big philosophies about love, and you can study history and see this, but you see that there were three false philosophies that Israel had bought into this time, and the first one was this, is that love can be purchased. Love was for sale. They could purchase love. The second was that love was for self-gratification. That was the sole purpose of love, was that you would be gratified in and of yourself. And the other one was that love could be purchased or found in inanimate objects, in things, in raisin cakes. As I was studying, I was thinking, wow, how similar How similar is this to the world that we live in? That love is all about me, all is about things that I can get, that love is so misused, it's so misinterpreted. God notices this. God says, this is not what love is. The system was broke. So God says, I will demonstrate my love through Hosea. So then, without going to verse 2, don't put verse 2 up there yet for me, but he says, Hosea, go look for her. Church, what was this like? It's so easy to read the scripture and go from verse 1 to verse 2 and see everything's okay, but Hosea had to go look for his wife. He leaves home. He just starts, how do you you start? She doesn't have a cell phone where you can run GPS. He just starts saying, hey. Hey, man, you seen Gomer? Gomer, your wife? Yeah. She's She's not home. Man, I'm sorry. No, I haven't seen him. He goes to the next person. Hey, you seen Gomer? Eventually, he finds past. We know that he's got to go to areas to find Gomer that men of God weren't supposed to be in. He goes into modern-day despicable parts of town on a search for his wife. God sends him out there. He goes to that part of town, and he keeps saying, Man, you seen Gomer? Man, I didn't know you guys were still together. I, I saw Gomer. She's, she's back into the old business. Whoa. Whoa. Sometimes when we follow God and we think, we think we're going to have this cakewalk of a life, I don't know what Hosea's anticipation or expectance of this marriage was, but he's got to go find his wife only to find out that she's back into the thing that he had already brought her out of. 
He finds where she is. And according to the scriptures, she's not only just back in the business, but she's up for sale at the moment that Hosea enters the scene. She's on an auction block. Hosea walks in and sees his wife. Whoa, what was that like for Gomer? Surely he would, he would never come back for me. What was that like for Hosea? Hosea pipes up and he says, hey, he says, that's my wife. The owner of Gomer, they have different names in today's society. He says, I don't care who it is. She's for sale. You got to pay the price. Pay for what's already yours? What is this like? We see that he pays the price. Verse 2 says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethech of barley. 15 shekels of silver and then it was nine bushels of barley. A homer is six. A lethech is half of a homer. It's nine bushels of barley. There is significance in this. When you study the Word of God, you see that different things mean different things in the Word of God. The number 15 equals rest. The number nine equals completeness or finality. That's the ninth hour Jesus gave his life. Silver represents the atonement and redemption of Jesus. Barley equals humanity. Essentially, the Bible is saying rest in the atonement and the redemption of Jesus for the completeness of the finality of humanity. The gospel is right there if we would look at it. He pays the price. She's already yours, Hosea. Why would you pay the price again? He says, I'll pay for what's already mine. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and God sends his son to spill his precious, sacred blood for what's already his. He pays. And the very next verse, he proceeds to renew his vows. That's not what I would have done. We would have had some conversation. We would have had some, some deep conversation. Verse 3 says, And I said to her, Gomer, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the part of the whore any longer. He said, Or belong to another man. Says, so I will also be to you. I imagine the auction room was very similar to what this auditorium is like now. If there was an auction taking place, that means there were multiple bidders. What an exchange to witness. What a moment to feel. Uh, I imagine conviction was quite heavy in this moment. The scripture shows us that verse 4, that something significant happens right after this moment. The Spirit of God falls upon Hosea and he prophesies. 
He says this, he says, for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince. He says, without sacrifice or ephod or pillar. He says, without ephod or household gods. He says, afterward, the children of Israel shall dwell, shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. You need to understand this, that David was nothing more than a messianic stand-in for a son that was going to come through David's bloodline. Hosea was doing the best he could with the knowledge that he had. He's saying, something's coming. And then he says, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Study the times that this was being said in and prophesied in. They didn't know the goodness of God. Everyone lived in the terror of the Lord, but Hosea stands up in this moment of mass love and he says, a new world order is coming through the son of David, through Jesus, where you are going to fear the Lord, but you will know the goodness of the Lord. He said the goodness, I'm reminded of the scripture that says it's the goodness of the Lord that brings change, that brings repentance. I've read this story and this story has been precious to me for years. But I've always put myself in the wrong spot. Who's Hosea? It's God. Who's Gomer? It's me. It's you. It's us. He will search the most despicable pockets of this planet to pay the price for Gomer. When you study a little bit deeper, you see that the name Hosea means and is interpreted salvation. Gomer equals completion. When I find my Hosea, I'm complete. Nothing needs to be added. Nothing needs to be given in addition when I find my Hosea, I'm complete. Everything changes when we realize that we're Gomer. It, it gets a little messy. When you live a life knowing that you are Gomer, but also that Gomers are out there, your schedule changes a little bit. We see in the book of Matthew, where Jesus had been, had been out with people who, who Christian people shouldn't be around. And religious leaders of the day start saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Who is this guy? Verse 10 in Matthew 9 says, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, he said, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reaching, uh, reclining with Jesus and his disciples. It says, and when, the, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then something phenomenal happens in verse 13. We've heard this, we've said this, 
But Jesus quotes Hosea. Verse 13, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Essentially, Jesus was saying, you are saying we're not supposed to be around these people or that, that this isn't the right society for people. But Jesus is saying, I am your Hosea. He's saying, I am your Hosea. You have to understand he was speaking to Jews. Jews knew the stories. It was like your grandparents that passed on from generation to generation, sharing the stories of the legends that have gone before them. And Hosea was one of those people. They would tell of the story of Hosea and Gomer, of this great thing that happened, of how it took place. And Jesus says, you're missing the whole reason Hosea was on the earth. Hosea was on the earth to show of a new world order, to show of a new love, to show of my love. I am your Hosea. What a powerful statement to the church. What a, what a moment. I'm learning this, and, and as I'm sharing this, I, I've been learning this over the past several years, but it's not always neat and tidy in a world of gomers. And if we came, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, then when I acknowledge that, that that's who I am, that I am Gomer, then, then my life might not be so scheduled. Sometimes you come into cross paths with Gomers. First John says this, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Something wells up on the inside of me. When I acknowledged in my heart and in my life that I was Gomer, I cared for Gomers a whole lot more. You gotta understand my upbringing. I'm, I, I am, was, and always will be a church kid. So it was difficult for me to understand or feel that I was lost, that I was a sinner. Because honestly, I didn't, I didn't have this deep, dark story. What did God save me from? I was in the gas station and the swimsuit edition was right there and I went, what did I get saved from? But when I realized that I'm Gomer and apart from my Hosea, I'm doomed? Everything changes. We were content with loving God, going to church, serving at church, being the youth pastor. 
We were content with it, and God stirred some things up, planted another location in Long Beach. And I remember the first day, this is about two years ago, I remember I remember standing in my office and looking out the window, saying, God, would you please bring somebody? I said, bring 25 people, God, please. We opened the doors, and there were like 450 people there. And I remember these people that were coming in, they weren't church people. Man, their life wasn't clean. And it messed with me in a good way. And I'm I'm sorry. We'd lay our head down at night, and God, just my thoughts, would, I'd be thinking about people. The very first week, this guy came to church, he gave his life to Jesus, and he said, he went through growth track, he was part of the very first week, or the very first month. And at the end of it, in growth track, which I encourage you, man, growth track starts today. If you've never jumped in and said, man, I'm ready to take my next step, do it today. It's at 11 o'clock in building three. It'll change your life. This guy said, I'd love to serve on a team. I'd love to be part of this thing. But he wrote in his application because we ask questions to make sure there's no deep, dark secrets. He said, is there anything in your past that would that would cause you to, to, to not be able to serve. And he wrote down some things that had taken place in his life. He spent time in prison for things that he'd done several years ago. He'd been out of prison clean for 10 years. And he wrote in there, I understand if I can't serve because it would look bad on the church. And my heart broke. I said, no, man, you're exactly what we want. You're exactly what we want. He started serving. He's leading a team. He just submitted a small group opportunity for him. You see, life change happens when you realize that you're Gomer. My thoughts all the time when I'm thinking about people, this is what God spoke to me. He says, Micah, will you go after Gomer? When we become a church, this message is ridiculously simple. I'm Gomer. Go get Gomer. When we become a church that isn't impressed or intimidated by people, by their stories, by their past, or by their current situations or circumstances, and we invade those areas, we will be a church that the gates of hell do not stand a chance against. Two questions. Don't answer right now. Have you ever acknowledged that you're Gomer and you're in need of your Hosea? And number two, are you willing to do whatever it takes to go get Gomer? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I believe that God's spirit is here. I believe he's ministered to each and every single one of you today. 
And I'm confident that God is speaking to you in the areas of those two questions that we just asked. For the first group, I'm not going to drag this thing out. I'm not going to to pull on your emotional heartstrings. I believe that there is a group of people that acknowledge that they are Gomer and they are in a desperate spot and they're in need of their Hosea. Maybe you've tried in the past, maybe you've, maybe you've faked in the past, but you said, this is my moment. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. If that's you in this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna count to three, and on the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand up and everywhere across this room. I believe God is for you, he's not against you, and he's saying, now is my moment. If you're in here, you're saying, I'm Gomer. Count of three, one, two, Three. Go on and lift your hand up. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, people all over this room are saying, now is my moment. This is my time. I'm not stuck in my brokenness. I'm not stuck in the disgust because Hosea, my God, my Savior, gave his life for me. So at this moment, those of you that have your hands raised, those of you that are saying, this is for me, I want you to agree in your heart, agree in deep within you this prayer. God, I'm giving my life to you. I've tried to live in my own way, my own shape or form, and I have been remarkably unsuccessful. I find myself living for you a little bit and falling away, living for you and falling away and running away. But God, this moment, at this time, at 10.30 on Sunday morning, I am giving my life to you. Take all the good, take all the bad, take everything. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you paid the price that I couldn't pay. God, you paid the price for me. I accept you as my savior now. God, seal it in their hearts. God, that no weapon formed against them can stand. God, that when the enemy tries to creep in and put seeds and thoughts of doubt, God, that they would remember something in their spirit would come to life that say, I'm no longer that person. I'm not defined by my past, but I'm only looking forward to my future in the hope, in the love, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, you've saved people. And God, I pray over every single person in this room that would say, I will be responsible to go get Gomer. God, that our church would become a, a safe place for people who are lost, God. That our church would be, become a safe haven, God, for people that just need the love and acceptance of Jesus. And God, that because of your Holy Spirit, God, of your goodness, God, that there would be change. God, the change in their heart first. And God, all of those things that they think are separating them, God, from you, the sinful actions, God, that those would naturally fall off because of a heart change change, a conversion. God, use us. Church, commit to God in this moment. Say, use me. Use me. God, and if that means that we've got to go to the despicable spots, 
God, where we might be a little uncomfortable. God, if we've got to go where Gomer is, we will. Why? Because you came to seek and save Gomer. God, we thank you that you loved us so much and that we can be a church that acknowledges this. I pray that this would resonate, that it would sit in our hearts. But God, that it wouldn't just be an emotional stir for a moment or a season, but God, it would become the very heartbeat, the reason that we exist. God, to display the love of Jesus, to live the love of Jesus. God, to be Jesus to South Mississippi. God, that you would build your church full of people, full of gomers, worshiping one Hosea, Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God your very best. Yeah. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.